Welcome to VoiceOver Experts, brought to you by Voices.com, the number one voiceover marketplace. VoiceOver Experts brings you tips, pearls of wisdom, and techniques from top instructors, authors, and performers in the field of voiceover. Join us each week to discover tricks of the trade that will help you to develop your craft and prosper as a career voiceover talent. It's never been easier to learn, perform and succeed from the privacy of your own home and at your own pace. This is truly an education you won't find anywhere else. This week, Voices.com is pleased to present Bernard Shaw. It's a popular misbelief that just because you have a beautiful voice, you're going to be a successful voiceover artist. And the answer to that is just because you've got two hands doesn't mean you're going to be a concert pianist. It, it, it's fine having a lovely voice, but you've, you've got to know what you're doing with it. And there are... We're getting into a difficult area, which is why I'm hesitating, because there are two schools of thought on what a good voice should be. And obviously it depends on the application that it's going to be put to and the area in which you're expecting to work. It depends obviously on what your client, the ultimate client, wants. And if you listened to television, you will hear some apparently appalling voices doing commercials. But I think there are certain basic techniques that a voiceover artist needs to possess, whether or not they exhibit them or display them all the time is another matter, but they are likely to be called upon. And the big problem that one comes across with training people to be able to do voiceover is actually, surprisingly, getting them to be their natural selves, in that... Uh, when I'm working with people, I always have a chat to them for 15 minutes first just to see what they're like as people, how they use their body, how they use their voice. Then give them a script, and it's as if a miraculous change has come over them. They suddenly turn out to be entirely different people using a different voice and a different set of inflections. You then have the battle of getting them back to being exactly as they were, but performing the script that you want them to. The falling inflection seems to be the biggest area of difficulty. For example, uh, whenever you mention the name of a product, it's expected that you would lift the name of the product. So if you're thinking of a, a particular gin, which is, features in the scripts that I use a lot uh, when training people at the Actors' Centre, uh, which is Bombay Sapphire, um, there is there is their advertising line, Bombay Sapphire, gin only better. Now give that to a potential voiceover artist and they inevitably will say, Bombay Sapphire, gin only better, which is employing the falling inflections. What you should be able to do, because it's probably going to be required, is to lift the second half of the product name so that you have Bombay Sapphire, as opposed to Bombay Sapphire. Gin, only better. People find this extremely hard, and I can see now that this CD is going to be stopped and people are going to be rushing off to try that for themselves. When encountering difficulty in getting an inflection to rise it's often a good idea to bring various parts of the body into play. And it's a known fact, a uh, medical fact, until such time as it's changed, that speech and gesture come from the same part of the brain. 
basically if you put your hand in the air your voice will go up if you put your hand down your voice will go down so when fighting for the rising inflection it's worth conducting oneself with the hand often with the pencil held in it uh, to get the rise so you would say Bombay put your hand up in the air sapphire and surprisingly the voice would have gone up uh, this works pretty universally that's one technique not always employing falling inflections but being able to use the, the rising inflection if your director wants it Another technique is not eliding words. Eliding words is where you run one word, the end of one word, into the beginning of another. For example, twinings, our English breakfast tea, where you have on the page our English breakfast tea, two teas, one at the end of breakfast, one at the beginning of tea. In natural speech, we probably will say our English breakfast tea. But for the purposes of a commercial, you need to have both consonants there. So one needs to be able to have, if required, perfect diction um, or something approaching it. The reasons are simple. Very often a piece of audio will be edited to fit pictures that may not have been thought of when the audio was uh, being recorded or were not in the head of the person recording the audio. So you may wish to introduce a pause between the words breakfast and tea. If one of the teas is missing, you're going to end up with our English breakfast tea. Now, a skilled editor will obviously be able to take the T off one word and stick it onto the end of the one that hasn't got one. But why should they have to do this? If they find in the editing of your voice that they have to do 50 or 60 such edits, then, OK, they'll keep you for the job they've booked you for, but they probably won't ask you back. And one of the big areas of focus which you must address is what is your motivation when doing a job? Your sole motivation when doing any voiceover job is very simply to get asked back to do another one. It's a matter of pleasing the client and being able to uh, display perfect diction if that's what they require and a cheerful and sunny disposition when speaking about their product. Another area of expertise for the voiceover artist is timing. It's a myth, I think, that often does the rounds that a particular voiceover artist is able to read a script in 29 seconds and if asked he can then read it in 29 and a half seconds and if asked further he can read it in 29 and three quarter seconds. I've never actually come across anybody who is possessed of this skill but talking to time roughly is a skill that is required of voiceover artists. It's imagined that the the skill is in getting 75 words into 30 seconds. Very often, interestingly, the difficult bit is getting five words into 30 seconds. Often in making the script stretch to fit the available time can be more difficult than just cramming in extra words. In the first case, if you're needing to talk to time, one of the tricks is never to think in terms of speed. If you're working on a 30-second commercial, which, as we know, is 29 and a half seconds in, in reality, 
and you find that having read the script in the desired manner, it's taking 35 seconds, there are two things that you can do. One is to throw yourself on the mercy of the editor who can make it fit the 30 seconds because computer programs nowadays can do that at the press of a button or employing the editor's skill, he can cut the breaths, cut out the gaps between words and make it fit. And that's a perfectly acceptable technique nowadays. Uh, it's not considered that you're an incompetent voiceover artist if you do need to be edited afterwards. The other thing is to find a motivation for taking time off the length of the read. For example, just doing it faster is not a good motivation. Being more excited, being uh, reading it with a greater sense of urgency or a greater sense of desperation will probably give you the time that you need. At the other end of the scale, if you have a client who has paid for a 30-second commercial and only wants 15 words to be said throughout that period, that's one word every two seconds, you may need to be able to make things a bit longer than they naturally should be. At which point you discover the power of the pause. There are three basic techniques to doing a good commercial read, and they all begin with P, and they are pitch pace and pause and the greatest of these is pause it's as Beethoven said it's not the notes it's the gaps in between them that make the music and it's the same with words that the use of a significant pause can actually make people pay attention to your message however Pauses have to have something that carries on between the two adjoining words. So you again come back to the rising inflection, so that if you go up just before you do the pause, people will listen because you haven't switched them off, as it were. Thank you for joining us. To learn more about the special guest featured in this Voices.com podcast, visit the VoiceOver Experts show notes at podcasts.voices.com. Dot com slash voiceover experts. Remember to stay subscribed. If you're a first-time listener, you can subscribe for free to this podcast in the Apple iTunes podcast directory or by visiting podcasts.voices.com. To start your voiceover career online, go to voices.com and register for a voice talent membership today.